Hello, and welcome to the Diagnostic Digest, a podcast by CM Life Science. I'm your host, Nathan Rigby, and my focus is finding the best talent in the diagnostic space. In today's episode, I speak with Erez Narman, CTO and co-founder at Scopio Labs. We talk about how artificial intelligence is revolutionizing the diagnostic space. Whether you're interested in gaining insight to the capabilities and future of AI within healthcare, or just want to hear about the fascinating story of how Scopio Labs are pioneers in the full field cell morphology, then be sure to have a listen. Here it is. Hope you enjoy. Thanks today for for joining the the podcast. This will obviously be posted on our Diagnostic Digest, which is like broadcasted globally. Um, so why don't you start by introducing yourself? So hi, first of all, thank you for having me uh, on the show. Uh, my name is Erez. Uh, I'm the co-founder and CTO at Scopio. Um, my background is physics and math uh, with a long history of R&D. Uh, but in the past uh, more or less decade, I've been um, uh, working in the field of healthcare. Amazing. Where did it all start for you? Yeah, at some point in my life, I decided that um, if I'm devoting my life to something, it has to be uh, something for the good of mankind. So I decided it will be either in ecology or healthcare. Um, And then in grad school, my co-founder and I met. We were both uh, students in Jerusalem, grad students in Jerusalem, but living about an hour away. So we drove back and forth every day. And started just uh, inventing things in the car. Uh, and, you know, deep learning was just starting. And, um, and we wanted to, to put deep learning to use in, in blood because we went to hospitals looking for ideas. And we saw dozens of people sitting on microscopes and writing down what they're seeing. And we thought that this isn't a, like a fit task for a person to like try to count things uh, and, and quantify things. People are good at, at drawing conclusions. And so uh, we wanted to do the AI and then looked for a microscope that could scan samples at this high resolution that is needed. Um, and we couldn't find any. So we decided to build it ourselves. And that's how our journey started. Uh, how many years ago was this? Seven. Seven. So that was probably yeah. like just when AI was like really, really starting to come alight. Yeah, so uh, right before Scopia, I was at a company called Orcam, which was a pioneer in the field of deep learning, um, you know, for real-time uh, AI. And so I came with that background and we wanted to use that. So deep learning was just starting. It was the, the big buzz, but there was nothing on the market yet that was actually using it. Um, but we took a risk and luckily it seems to be paying off. So Yeah, definitely. Definitely amazing. And so you founded Scopio Labs, you know, about seven years ago with your co-founder. What was what was that journey like and how's, how's that been so far? Uh, mostly an exciting journey, I would say, uh, but definitely uh, an ever-changing one. So the first few years were really just a tiny little team of really hardcore uh, scientists trying to develop the core technology. We took on something that uh, we'll probably get to later on, but it sounds a little little bit science fiction-y to to some people. Um, And we didn't know if we could do it in the beginning. We believed we could. So the first few years were really just 10 people working really hard on tech. And then once we had the basic tech, we started expanding into AI uh, and applications. 
Um, and, and in the recent year or so, year, year and a half since we got FDA approvals, um, then, then the company really changed its form from a company that does mostly technology to suddenly a, a business company that has products and customers and has to, has to deal with, uh, with everything uh, related to manufacturing and, and marketing and sales. And um, so we, we grew up uh, both mentally and in terms of the number of employees in order to support this change of company. So it's been a very, very interesting growth journey. So back when you and Hayut, um, you know, founded this company and, and made this technology, was did it take like, you know, a couple of years to actually come up with the concept of practicing it in in the lab? Or so um, we did pivot. As as I mentioned, we started trying to you know hoping that we could yeah. do just the AI. Yeah. Um, and then when we realized that there was no hardware available, we wanted to develop that. And in the beginning, we thought, um, maybe I'll take a step back and explain just the core problem and what, and then it'll, it'll give it a little bit of color. In microscopy, there's a, there's a core trade-off, which is the issue between field of view and resolution. So if you're trying to look at things at really high resolution, you get a very, very tiny field of view of the sample and your focus becomes really sensitive. And that makes it really difficult to digitize samples. And at first, um, we wanted to you know, buy a microscope that could do it, found out there isn't one, said we would build one. And as we started building it, we, we hit all the obstacles that you would, right? Suddenly you need really accurate and fast mechanics. And these things are very slow to develop and very um, time consuming also in the, in the actual scanning and, and you need really expensive optics and it all becomes cumbersome and unreliable and you end up with something that doesn't work, which is why no one did it before us. So at that point, we actually pivoted. So we, we, we started off trying to do it, kind of banging our heads against the wall and then realized that the right way to do it isn't to think that we could build, we could make lenses better than Zeiss or, or Olympus, right? They've been doing it for 100 or 200 years. We shouldn't pick a fight with the people who've been doing the exact same thing. We should realize that if no one's been able to solve it, the solution is somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where we, we changed the way we thought about the problem and um, decided to develop a computational method. So GPUs were just starting to become a big thing in, in actual, like, you know, in, in actual computers, thanks to gamers. Yeah. Um, and, and we realized that if we took that power, that computational power that could now be put in a computer and used it to develop super resolution, we could actually start with simple hardware and using algorithms and this computational power that was just coming to be, increase the resolution of the, Im of the final image based on physics. So we developed a method called computational photography, which enables us to use one lens with a low resolution and a large field of view, take multiple images and in a unique physical model, combine them in real time on a GPU into a high resolution image. Amazing. Um, Amazing. And, and so, yeah, we, we did kind of, uh, you know, scramble and fumble around for a while until we found that approach. But then once we did, um, it, it went very fast. Back then obviously you know this space was was really new to, to the world and, and healthcare especially how was it like mm -hmm. how did how did investors take it 
Um, well, it's interesting because Scorpio sits at a nexus, I think, between two things um, that appeal to different investors sometimes. So we sit at the nexus between a medical device and and digital health. Yeah. And so we're we, on the one hand, we have hardware. And on the other hand, we're an AI company. And so I think that um, once we learned to tell our story the right way, investors started gravitating towards the, the, the fact that we're able to produce something that moves at the speed of digital, but has the technological moat of a medical device and the regulatory moat. And then we kind of managed to get the best of both worlds instead of the worst of both worlds, which could have been a risk. Yeah. Um, and I think at that point is when investors started coming in and uh, things uh, started moving along. Yeah, definitely. And obviously when AI in general just obviously got more exposure and yeah, I mean, amazing. So what do you think makes, you know, Scopio Labs stand out from from other like diagnostic players in the market regardless like of of the the ai aspect and um, what's the technology actually doing you I, I remember we spoke last time and you guys are the only one is doing is it like digital morphology um the first of its kind so uh, we developed a technology called that we call full field cell morphology so there are companies doing cell morphology on a small scale they can take snapshots of individual cells and look at them. And you can do small numbers of cells. But what Scopio is doing is because of this unique ability, the only company in the world that can scan samples at 100x resolution, which is you know the highest resolution yeah. that you can get to in, in optics. Uh, and, and as the only ones, we're the only ones who have that unique data, which gives us not only large numbers of cells, but also the context that they are in. So we have all of the information needed to, to make the, the decision. So in terms of what makes us unique on the technic on the technological side, it's that we're the only 100x scanner in the world. But I think that there's a deeper point to it, which is one is that we decided to take an end-to-end -end approach. I mean, given this development of a new microscopy method, we could have become a microscope company, but we decided to become a diagnostics company. And I think that that is a unique thing because we realized that the intrinsic value of just scanning or just digitizing is existent, but it takes a long time until an ecosystem builds around it in order to provide value for the end user. How, once obviously, you know, you put the, because the, I, I don't fully understand, um, but once you put the blood under the, the microscope here and it, it's, it's scanned through, how does the AI like come in? Where does that come in? What happens is, the sample is prepared the same way that it was in the past. So they take a drop of blood, yeah. they put it on, on a glass slide, they smear it and stain it, okay? And that goes into our device where the sample is scanned at extremely high resolution and then analyzed using AI. Ah. Uh, what the AI does is it finds all of the relevant cells that you would want to look at, quantifies them into all classifies them into all the different kinds that could interest a clinician. Now, we are a decision support system at this point in time, meaning we pre-classify the cells and present it to the user to make the final decision on, on what it is. So we don't say that the person has cancer, but we say here are all the different kinds of cells and they can look at it and say, oh, there's a cancer cell right there. Amazing. Um, 
Yeah, so that that's um, that's how we kind of approach the the problem at this point in time. Amazing, that is it's fantastic. AI is definitely there's a couple of companies which are popping up like that are using AI and diagnostics. Like there's obviously Site, which which is quite local to where you are, and then there's like Freenome and stuff. Um, so it's definitely like moving into into the space and it's it's interesting it really is it's it's pure innovation at its at its finest what's obviously next for the technology how far can how far can the the, the technology go do you think so i think we've only scratched the surface of where we can go uh for several reasons one is the technology itself can be pushed further in terms of um what we can do with imaging, higher resolutions, faster rates. There are many different things we can do with the actual technology. But I think more interesting than that is, uh, is where the clinical knowledge can, can go. So apart from the fact that from a decision support system, the natural progression would be into full automation. So there's kind of a cycle that started in the 70s where complete blood counts used to be done all on a microscope. Right? There were no devices doing it. Um, and then came the blood count devices, and they started automating a small number of parameters of, of the blood, enough to do screening so that only the clinically interesting things could be looked at. But that is still manual. And what Scopio is doing is, is, is actually introducing, able to introduce automation into everything that's clinically interesting. So we can really revolutionize first-line lab testing and augment what a person can do, not only in terms of efficiency, just automate it and do it fast, but also extract new clinical information from the sample because we can find rare events. We can find cells uh, that you, you wouldn't be able to find. We can quantify things. And with that, um, we, we believe that we can in, introduce an era of early detection and monitoring of disease directly from blood. Amazing. Like that is that is is amazing. How big's the machine? How is it like small? We we have two lines of of devices for different lab sizes because you know labs comes come in all sizes. Um, we have a device that's about the size of a desktop printer um, that is meant for uh, you know small to medium facilities, and we have uh, a higher throughput device meant for larger labs uh, that takes the same space on the table. It's just a little bit taller. So let's say the size of two desktop printers, one on top of the other. So both of them are very small in terms of, of the desk space in a lab, uh, which is important because labs are always uh, very, very dense with, with equipment. Yeah. Is it is it easy to use for, for the clinician? Yeah. Um, the, the device itself is, is true. Within about an hour, you're trained on it. It's, it's very simple. Not just the hardware, but also the application was built with the user in mind. Um, we tried to build everything with very modern architectures so that um, for for the user, it feels a lot like using the regular tools that you're used yeah. to, like Gmail and others. What's the, the time on sample to answer? So, of course, it depends on, on the workflow in the lab, but our devices can do between 15 and 40 samples an hour, depending on, on the device. And then uh, we've shown that we're able to reduce the review time by 60%. So the work of the expert on a, per sample is reduced by 60% compared to the work on a manual microscope, which makes it very, very uh, efficient in the lab. Not only that, but you can also do it remotely. So that becomes a real huge time saver. 
Um, because for example, if you have a sample over the weekend and the expert is at home, you don't have to drive them to the hospital and wait hours until they read it. They can log in from home and read the case. Or if you have a facility that has shortage of lab personnel or someone got COVID, right? And they have to send the sample out. It can be read from anywhere outside the facility over a secure connection. Of course, uh, everything is, is fully, um, secured and maintains the privacy of the patient. Um, but, but it means that the work can be done remotely, which saves a ridiculous amount of time over the weekend and holidays. Uh, and, and so it, it's really important. Yeah. Amazing. You mentioned like early detection. That's what the goal is for, for every, well, for the world, right? You know, where we can find something earlier, we can treat it and we can, mm -hmm. we can cure it. Cancer is the big one. It's, it's the big one. Can you see yeah. AI like, not like curing cancer, but contributing massively to, to earlier detection? Uh, to, to me, the answer is absolutely yes. I mean, a AI is a tool, right? And what does that tool give us? It gives us the ability to analyze more information faster and more accurately. And when you're trying to find cancer early on, the, the problem is scarcity of information, right? You have, the, you know, the cancer is in its starting stages. Therefore, you have fewer cells. Therefore, there's, few, there's less information about the cancer uh, in every sample. And so the, the increasing the scale and accuracy and finding hidden correlations is what is needed in order to detect it early on. So I definitely think that AI and, and digital technologies as a whole will, will are starting to already, but will also completely revolutionize the field of, of diagnostics and specifically cancer diagnostics. Yeah, it already is. Like there's a lot of bridge companies out there that are like bridging it, like Sophia Genetics, but organizations like yourself, you know, are definitely the pioneers, mm -hmm. will, will be the pioneers in this space. I can see it. You, you guys in site diagnostics. It's funny that you're both out of Israel as well. Yeah, I mean, not only are we both out of Israel, but um, their their founder was in the same military program as me many many years ago. Wow, uh, so it's uh, is that when you don't you have to do like a military service in, in Israel? Is that was that part of that service? Yeah, so in Israel you have to do a minimum of three years, um, but the program we were in uh, is a minimum of nine. Uh, so, did you guys meet in the in the military service? You and the other founder from Zeit. Yeah, I knew him because he was a year under me in the same military program. But uh, so I knew him well, uh, and his uh, CTO was actually with me in class in the same class. So we knew each other well, but uh, it, we the the founding of the companies was completely unrelated. That I mean, is, we both. <laughs> We're also, I mean, we're both in the field of hematology and you know, we're both dealing with blood, but very, very different uh, use cases and value propositions. That is, that's, so, that's um, strange. That is, it's good. It's, it's good though. It is good. Um, yeah. A lot of innovation out of Israel. Pioneers in AI in I Europe. think Israel is a good place for, for computer vision and technology as a whole. Like we mentioned the military. I think the military is a melting pot uh, that takes... You know, 18-year-olds that have an interest in technology puts them on really interesting problems in groups where money is not an object. And so they get the best training on the on the best problems. And when they exit the military, they have a very strong basis to 
um, to found technology-based companies, specifically computer vision is, is very uh, powerful in that respect. And so I think that's why you're seeing a lot of that coming out of Israel. Amazing. Amazing. Obviously, um, you know, we've just been through probably, I think probably the strangest thing I'll ever go through in, in my time. I see it as it was, it was, it was my war. It was always something, right? Mm. And that is the, the COVID war and the pandemic and diagnostics and IVD was, it was at the forefront of it. Like early detection is what um, saved many people's lives really and, 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 and got us through it. Where do you see like as well, you know, the diagnostics market have got loads of exposure and where do you see it going from here? Like, can you see like this more like digital and AI driven machines and innovation coming out based off like what happened over the pandemic? Because if we had AI in the pandemic, I think it probably would have been a lot more straightforward. I think AI is is um, is one part of that revolution, but I think that COVID really contributed to a change of of um, of heart in in or, or a change of the understanding of many people about the place of of diagnostics in the world. Um, you know, most of the efforts are and were directed towards therapeutics, towards curing disease. But I think what happened with COVID is it opened a lot of people's eyes to the fact that. Uh, diagnosis, and especially early diagnosis, is actually um, in many cases as important. And and so I think that we are going to see a change in in the way that uh, humanity deals and looks at diagnostics. And AI is going to be a very, very pivotal aspect of that, but it is not the only one. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done in terms of the sensors, uh, that detect information, then you have the AI that analyzes it, then you have the, the actual workflow in order to, um, to manage all this new information. And, and at the end, you have uh, to draw the, the relevant clinical conclusions from it, um, which is another big step that AI will be part of, uh, but I think it has a lot of other aspects as well, apart from, from AI. So um, really, like we, we have to improve in every aspect of it uh, in order to really enable a revolution in diagnostics that I think will, will benefit all of us when the next thing hits, and it likely will. We don't know what it'll, what it'll be, but when it does, if we react early enough, then it will disrupt our lives less. Definitely. And as, as a pioneer in, in, in the space, what's, what's next for for Scopio Labs, where where are you so far? So obviously, you know you've got the technology approved. You've got an amazing partnership, uh, which we'll talk about. But what's what's next for you guys? Where where are you guys at? So I think that uh, as you mentioned, we we signed a uh, worldwide distribution uh, partnership with Beckman Coulter, the company that invented the complete blood count. Uh, thank you. And so um, I think the biggest next step for Scopio in the near future is commercializing our technology. I mean, we, we have the, the regulatory approvals, we have the, the, as you said, the technology and the products, and we need to get it into the hands of as many labs as possible. That, that is one aspect of it. It's a huge undertaking, but from, from the side of innovation, the next steps for us are essentially unleashing our technology. So the first step we took was 
we're able to scan everything, but because a person has to look at the cells, we, uh, we use the AI only on a limited amount of information because we can't ask a person to review 150,000 cells uh, one by one and say that we got it right. So I think that the next step for us is to find the right ways to unleash the full power of this technology, the, the full field, meaning the scanning of the information at high resolution and the analysis of it to, uh, to enable providing new clinical insights, uh, automation of processes in the lab. Um, and, and with that, I think, alter the way that first-line lab testing is done uh, and make sure that people don't wander around the system undiagnosed because there was the information somewhere, but no one was able to get to it. And I think that's that's kind of our promise to the to the world here that we need to we need to work really hard at it. Uh, but I think that we are well situated at this point in time to take on that massive undertaking. Definitely, and I think also like the investors like now believe in 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 the impact you know you guys and AI can have on well, the social impact that you guys can have on on the world really um you got yeah. given 50 million in funding recently so again congrats yes. congratulations on that and i'm sure that will aid um aid the vision yeah i, I hope so <laughs> thank you so much yeah, yeah. It, it was a huge vote of confidence and uh huge. we're working very hard to to justify it now yeah so obviously the partnership with beckman Coulter and they're doing the distribution in the u.s it has the has the device been approved in the US or is it still just, are we still in like research phase? Yeah, we are approved for clinical use for both clinical in the US and in Europe uh, and in many other territories as well. So when do you think you'll go for um, like, so it's, it's, is it approved for 510K in the US? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, in in blood, we're approved under. Uh, yeah, we're clinically approved by the FDA, uh, uh, and we are we are in the process. We are already approved in Europe for bone marrow as well, uh, and are waiting for that approval in the US as well. Are you guys going to expand in the US? Like, are you going to have an office over there, or are they just going to do all the distribution? So we already do have an office in the US. Ah. Um, and, and I think the, the good thing about this partnership is that, uh, you know, you ask yourself, why would a company of that size and a startup partner with each other? And I think that um, each one brings to the table a complementary part of what you need in order to succeed. So we, uh, we as a startup can take big risks and we have and you know, brought this new technology. Uh, so we move fast um, and, and we're able to do really innovative things. And uh, the big brands bring the, the distribution and commercial power. They bring the reliable brand. You know, healthcare is very, very reliant upon um, solutions that are dependable. They have to be safe. They have to work all the time. Uh, they have to be repeatable and reliable. And it's very, very important. So the, 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 this type of, of connection really brings to the table the best of both worlds. We provide the new technology and the innovation and they provide the, the brand and the reach to the market. And together it means that we can move much faster into the market. So it's really a win-win situation. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of how it works in most industries. Um, but no, I, like I, they couldn't be a better partner for you guys. Like you said, the, they were the inventors of the original CBC 
blood testing technology, which is mm-hmm. yeah, amazing. Congratulations again. Well, awesome. Thank you so much. So that was it. My Diagnostic Digest with Erez Narman, CTO and co-founder at Scopio Labs. I'd like to thank Erez for his time and the insight he provided on Scopio and their journey so far. I hope anyone who's interested in any of the points we discussed during the podcast could gain some valuable perspective from his role and experience in the industry. Check out the rest of the series for plenty more insight from industry leaders in the diagnostic space. Thanks again for listening. I've been your host, Nathan Rigby. Bye for now.